0: Church family, it's moments like this that reminds me that when we say a family, we mean a family. Families don't just walk through moments of excitement, we walk through every moment of life together, and while we don't have all the details of what's happening in Dan's body right now, I know Dan's heart, he loves the Lord, he's trusting in the Lord, he's living ready. Let's turn to the one who gives us hope in every situation. Jesus, life brings jarring things to us that grabs our attention. Lord, I ask right now that you'll not only bless and be with Dan, but Lord, would you would you speak to us? Some of us right now are feeling quite a a stirring and a jolt of concern for our brother. Lord, would you not waste the moment would you speak to us? Your kids are listening. Amen and amen. Church, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 73. I'm confident the Lord has some word of encouragement for you today whether it's in light of what we've witnessed together of an immediate crisis here in our gathering and our obvious dependence on the Lord for his physical touch or it's something that you walked in already aware of today the Lord wants to speak to you now I guess I need to give a little bit of a warning The text that we're looking at today in psalm 73 is going to depress us before it encourages us It's it's a very real life passage of scripture That the lord wants to bring to us, but I I need you to know it, it may depress you before it encourages you I shared this word with Our crew on sunday night in february And I believe god has impressed it in my heart to bring it to the whole church today and it was simply out of time where I would sit with my brothers and sisters and we would Focus it on jesus together taking a passage of scripture like this and chewing on Observations and asking the lord to speak to us that over a week period of time There was a handful of my brothers that we journey in discipleship together that They helped write this sermon but we're not impressed with with them Or anyone who presents the message today. We want to be impressed by the Lord, the author of what he has to say to us today. Take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 73, and we're going to look at Asaph and his reality. Asaph finds himself in a very real dilemma. He starts with a statement of faith in God's goodness at the beginning of this psalm. Goodness of those who are faithful to him. But however, we quickly see the reality of his life, at least from his perspective, that seems to contradict his statement of faith that he starts with. What is his reality? Well, he's coming to grips with what appears to be bad people living however they want to and prospering. And good people seemingly doing the right things, suffering and being pushed to the margins. I suggest today that Asaph's psalm is a very fitting psalm for us today. It is relevant not only for our country, not only for our culture, not just for our church, but I believe it is for you and for me as individuals as well. Too often we see wicked prospering. Dictators strut across the world stage of history, raping and pillaging like barbarians. Financial empires are built on the backs of the poor and the hungry as in the TV dramas The villains seem to win in the end leaving honest and upright people in the dust I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I don't know if you've ever felt ripped off I don't know if you've ever felt cheated I don't know if you've ever felt like God was not watching or not there or didn't care for you If you haven't felt that before hang on Live a little bit more life. It's coming I want us to look at Psalm 73 together and walk through what I believe is a very timely psalm. Look at the verse 1 through 3 together. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. This positive confession of, asaph of god's goodness and in his love for his people is almost immediately evokes this negative admission in his own words it's like he's saying god it's so unfair and at the heart of this i want you to jot down some notes asaph is giving his complaint that's what it is we see in this first part asaph has a very real complaint In fact, it's so real for him, he said, this is not some passing thing. My complaint, I almost lost my footing. I'm about to stumble and fall. That's how unfair things are. He begins to take his eyes off of God and puts his eyes on people and the situations around him, and he is shaken to his core. Have you ever felt knocked over by what seems to be unfair? They got the job and you didn't. You were loyal to the company, and if they even knew how disloyal they were, they would never have chosen them. They seem to have perfect health, and you are the one in pain, and your body is not cooperating the way you want. But you've been faithful to the Lord, and it appears that they have great health and do whatever they want. They're the ones who live in disobedience to God, but it appears that there's no consequence to their actions, and yet you are facing hardships over and over. It's not fair. Asaph calls out to God. Thank goodness life is not fair. You know, God never promised that life would be fair. And I think we need to be thankful that life is not fair. What do you mean, Brady? Well, if you and I would get what we deserve, we would be on our way to hell right now. In fact, when God gives you something you don't deserve and me something I don't deserve, it is called grace. Grace. But Asaph's complaint here is still one that we can connect with even knowing that God never told us that life would be fair There's something within us that really struggles with the prosperity of the wicked People who seem to get ahead and take all the shortcuts ignore all the rules and at times feel like They are blessed at our expense What happens to Asaph is typical for us as well as his shift and thinking moves from God to the people around him, he becomes envious, jealous of the bold men and women who are living their wicked ways. Envy is an interesting thing. It grows on you like a fast-moving virus. It spreads all throughout your body. It begins to infect every part and coating every part of you with a burning desire to have what they have at all costs. Something's happening here in this psalm in between the lines. Asaph is letting us in on his personal journal, the witnessing of his heart and the shift that is taking place. His heart begins to change as he focuses not only on God, but now his focus becomes on man and their wickedness. But let's read on together, and we begin to see that Asaph, he is now stockpiling detailed evidence of his view of complaint. He's not just complaining, he's got evidence. Let's look at uh, these verses here in 3 through 12. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their mind know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up the waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the most high have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. In other words, Asaph is saying, God, don't you see how bad they are? Asaph moves from his complaint and now is is showing his view because apparently God doesn't see it. and, And God, you need to see my point of view to understand my complaint. That's his message in short. God, you don't see how bad they are. God, I told you it's not fair. Don't you see it? Verse 4 and 5, no struggles, they're healthy. Now, it's interesting, when we get our eyes off of God and our eyes on the evil around us, we begin to have this jealousy, this envy, this bitterness that comes in our heart, and it skews our own vision. We know that these other people were human. The sickness of man was not kept from them. But yet in his eyes, everything that was good happened to his enemies, and everything that was bad happened to him. That's his vantage point. That's his view. But you see, from where Asaph is standing, his viewpoint is just that. Jot this down. It's worth noting that where you are standing determines what you see. We're going to come back to that thought in a minute. Look, look, God, they are doing really bad stuff. They've even boasted in their violence. They are cold, they are calloused, and all this iniquity they pour out, it appears to be limitless, God. They don't just act against you, God. They speak against us. They even threaten us with oppression. In other words, Asaph is saying, God, you may be okay with this, but it's impacting me. It's affecting me. Their words and actions are hurting me. Don't you see it, God? Look at my point of view. Verse 9 God, they speak as if they, they, they have a heavenly reward, and yet their mouth also speaks that they own everything. Look at how bad they are. They're saying all kinds of stuff. It's double-minded. Look at the words coming out of their mouth. God, the people around them, they're buying into it. They're drinking it up. They're taking it lock, stock, and barrel as if it is truth and it is lies. In fact, God, look at, look at their question. Their real question is, does God even know anything? And he closes his arguments of his viewpoint with this thought. Okay, God. God. I've given you the evidence they're carefree and they're still gaining wealth as we speak Asaph has shared his complaint to god He has given his viewpoint to god And now he really begins to waller in his disgust. Let's look at verse 13 and 15 Surely in vain. I have kept my heart pure in vain. I have washed my hands in innocence all day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning if I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. What's Asaph saying here? He's saying in his words, God, what's the point? It's all for nothing. Now Asaph is getting his reaction. He's made his complaint. He shared his viewpoint. Now, God, you need to know what I think about it. Here's my reaction to what you're doing. It takes a turn again. His reaction is one that totally gets the best of him. His focus has left God, and after stewing and stewing on this, he now gives voice to the temptation to give up. Surely, God, keeping my heart pure before you, all this work I've done, it's worth nothing. I wash my hands of guilt. It's all meaningless. It's plagued me all day and night. That's some pretty harsh words from Asaph to God. Have you ever experienced moments in your life when you felt angry at God, where you felt abandoned by God, where you felt the injustice of others was so much you could barely stand it? It was just pointless. You didn't know what to do. This is what Asaph is facing. Begin to see that he's overwhelmed by the evil around him. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by evil around you? Do you feel let down by people in your life? You felt that you couldn't help but focus on the problem. Now you begin to think it's all for nothing. The problem comes out. That person persists. The pain continues. Where is God? It is so unfair. He doesn't even see it. I've been working so hard to be good. And all of this is for nothing. I'm about to give up. I told you we'd get depressed first. Isn't this good stuff? What if we just end here and say, Well, God bless you in Jesus' name go. Asaph just vomited on us. What is all this? Friend, don't give up. Listen, there is steak and potatoes and carrots. It is so good. God wants to feed you of this, but let it marinate in your soul. He has something that is for you. I'm confident many of you, there is hope and healing today. Don't miss it. If you only get one thing today, don't miss this. All of what he had just walked through, that was Asaph's reality. That's what he saw. That's what he complained about. That's what he threw up his hands in the air of his reaction to what God did or didn't do. But now he is about to encounter God and it changes everything. Look at verse 16 and 17. Something happens. This is powerful. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. It was crushing me. It was strangling me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Notice at verse 16, look at what Asaph is now saying. God trying to make sense of all this. It is literally crushing the life out of me. It is squeezing me. I cannot make sense of it. And now Asaph, what is he doing? He is getting honest. This is Asaph's Honesty before God he brought his complaint. He brought his view He gave his harsh reaction to God and now he is encountering God and he's getting honest with God There's going to be a corner that is turned there is hope on the way But it starts with Asaph being honest with God and honest with himself God when i'm trying to understand the things that I have told you it is sucking the life out of me Now this is an insight I don't believe that asaph got on his own god himself was pouring this into his heart into his mind Now look at the next verse a shift begins to take place. It's a shift for the good Till I entered the sanctuary of god. Then I began to have a deeper understanding Then I began to see god's perspective. I began to see god's reality, but it wasn't until I came into the sanctuary with god in other words Asaph is saying this, God, being in your presence changes me. It's bringing a change in my life. Asaph is now going to experience a miracle. It started with his honesty, and now he's going to experience a miracle of God change in his heart. Friend, this is a powerful change. It's powerful when you and I sit at the feet of Jesus, when we are in the presence of Jesus. God does something in us that cannot be done any other way He had his eyes fixed on man and the problem But now he's sitting in the sanctuary of god and everything begins to change as god takes his eyes off of the problem And puts his eyes back on god We think about this idea of being in sanctuary the sanctuary of god I don't know what you think about when you think of the word sanctuary What comes into my mind is being a kid growing up in church and I was told the sanctuary is a room like this where you You can't run That kind of bummed me out There's a room like this where I couldn't wear a hat And I couldn't eat but yet somehow breath mints made the pass. I don't know how that was somehow allowed in sanctuary And as I became a teenager I began to push back on ideas of sanctuary and saw that, you know I'm not so sure that god is is so concerned about if i'm wearing a hat or not so concerned about these things But I had a mentor say to me brady Is there anything that has set apart time or space for god that is reverent in your life? And just because some had missed the idea of what real sanctuary was the Light was shined on my heart. Is there any place that's reverent in my life towards God? And the idea of sanctuary here is is more than a room. It's more than a building. It's time and space set apart to be in God's presence. And so sanctuary can be in this room. It can be in the foyer. It can be in the parking lot. It can be in your car. It can be at your house. It can be at your place of work. I enter into sanctuary. I set apart this time and space, God, for you to be in your presence This is where Asaph found an encounter. Asaph brought himself to a set-apart time and space to be in the presence of God, and it changed everything for him. Now look at verse 21 through 26. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Let's just stop right there. (laughs) He's getting quite a different picture. This is amazing to me. Remember the thought. Where you stand determines what you see. God is now going to give a new perspective to Asaph. Asaph is now standing in the presence of God and he begins to see something brand new. He's saying, God, I now see how bad I have been. Asaph has a revelation. It's this miracle that's leading to a revelation in his life. Now, this is what's so interesting to me. He was so focused before on how bad everybody else was, how wrong they were, all the evil they had done, and the justice he wanted to have come to them. And now, in the presence of God, what happens? His first turn, his first shift, is a revelation on how bad he is. Listen to his words My heart was grieved, my spirit embittered. I was senseless, I was ignorant, I was but a brute beast before you. That's vivid language. This is quite a heart change. What's happening? Have you ever had an encounter with God that he began to pull back the curtain and show you who you are in light of who he is? It's humbling. Have you ever since the Lord began to highlight and shine the truth about what's happening in your heart? Things couldn't get better until God changed Asaph. Asaph could not change until god gave him clarity on what he was really like now This self revelation that god brings turns into something beautiful. Look at verse 23 through 26 yet I am always with you. Asaph says you hold me by the right hand You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory whom have I in heaven, but you and earth has nothing I desire but you my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus, I claim that for Dan right now. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength. Of my heart and my portion forever. What is happening right here? Asaph is now saying, God, in light of how rotten my attitude was, in light of how bad I am, you are so good to me. And Asaph receives grace from God. Even when I acted this way you never left me when I was a brute beast before you you still had my hand You counseled me and you guided me taking me to glory with you. That's your plan for me God I may fail but God you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever friend. That's a recipe for worship Sometimes we think we have to wait till we feel encouraged to worship that is backwards If you wait to worship until you feel encouraged, you'll never worship Or very rarely. Don't wait until you have it all figured out. He says, Lord... I'm coming to you in the sanctuary. I'm entering into your presence. I don't understand this. It's crushing me. God wants to bring freedom to someone today. You've been trying to carry and, and grapple in your mind what doesn't make sense to you. He wants to bring healing and hold us to you. It'll never make sense on your own. And don't wait to worship him. Don't wait to go into the sanctuary with him. Don't wait to be in his presence until you feel like it or until you understand it all. Come sit at his feet and let him change you. Well, where does all this end? Look at verse 28. But as for me, it's good to be near God. You see... Asaph says it's good for me to be near god. I have to have it. I've tasted your presence god I'm now depending on it. You've begun to change something in me I can't go any other way when you are beginning to feel ripped off It's good for you to be near god when you feel left out. It's good for you to be near god when you feel overwhelmed It's good for you to be near god when you feel full of yourself. It's good for you to be near god friend You and I, we need to be near to God. Make time and space to sit at his feet. And time that is set apart and space that is set apart for him and him alone. Look at the next part of verse 28. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. This phrase reeks of a decision, a choice that he made. It drips off of this. God, I choose to take refuge in your sovereignty. See, Asaph is now making a choice. He's had a revelation of who he really is. God has given him grace. Asaph is now dependent on this love that God has given to him. Don't ever take it away from me, God. And he makes a choice. Friend, you and I, we have a choice to make. Are we going to run into the arms of the sovereign Lord and let him be a strong tower that is refuge for us? Or are we going to choose something else? You and I have a part just like Asaph had a part. What are you choosing today? This final thought, it blows me away. (laughs) I will tell of all of your deeds. This is how he ends this. God, I can't keep quiet about how good you are, Asaph is saying. Asaph now has a testimony. Do you remember where this started? It's gone full circle. He couldn't shut up about his complaint. God, they're wicked. Well, you're good and you're good to everybody, but it doesn't make sense to me. Look at all the things they've done. He had all these verses to talk about what he did wrong. God, you've got to be crazy. Can't you see it over and over and over and over again? And then all of a sudden... He has an encounter with God. He gets honest with God. God begins to give him a clear new picture of who he is. He is humble before God. The miracle begins to take place. And he's choosing to be in the sanctuary. And God is changing him. And now he cannot help but talk about the Lord. See, Pastor Brady, this year we've heard a lot of people talk about disciple by Jesus or Look what God is doing and seeing all these things. What good does it do to focus in on who God is? What good does it do to just talk about what we think Jesus has been doing this week? What good does it do to focus in on what we think he's saying to us? What good does it do to focus in on the obedience he's calling us to? What good does it do to talk about our dependence on him? Friend, when you have your eyes fixed on the problem, when you have your eyes fixed on the injustice, when you have your eyes fixed on anything other than God, you will be depressed thoroughly. Very little hope. Worn out. Offended. All who are weary and burdened, come to me. Let me translate for someone here today. All who are ripped off and offended and hacked off. Jesus says, come to me. What are you carrying that offense for? All those who have been dealt a wrong hand, come to me. I will give you rest. Here's the thing. Your plan God's plan for your life Is not necessarily the same as the plan he had for Asaph. But god has a plan for you and we're looking at the character of who god is and this is how he works He says come to me and I will bring a change about in your heart In just a minute. I want to give you an opportunity. There's some here today. We've talked about this. This is good We've heard a teaching. This is great But this stuff's living and active This stuff is real and there's someone here today if you would get honest with God you may or may not have been vocalized into other people but you've got a complaint. God's on your list. If you get honest with God and, and you say, God, I want to tell you my point of view and this is how I've been responding but get honest. You come to him in his presence and just a minute we're going to do that. He will encounter you. Now notice God didn't say, Asaph, I'm so glad you're here. What did you want? I'll give you everything you want. Asaph wanted all these people to be smited, embarrassed, and punished right in front of his eyes in a very cruel, hard way. Give them the what for, Jesus. If you want to put your stamp on me, that'd be good too. Here's what God says to him. Uh, Let me start by telling you how bad you are. Did you not hear my complaint? I've been wronged. Yes. Before we can get any kind of help Let me teach you about grace You want them to get what they deserve What about you? Oh, what a brute beast I am I know we've had kind of a some ways kind of an intense morning I'm going to be real sensitive to that. None of us know what's happening here. I don't want to twist or manipulate that in any way, but I do do want to remind you, none of us know what's going to happen at lunch either. Brady, if you had them do what they did to me, you'd understand I have a right to be angry. I'm not saying you don't have some kind of right to be angry. I'm asking you, do you want God to do a miracle in your heart? What is it you can't shut up about? If you don't know where you're at in this account of Asaph, is your mouth running by all the injustice that's happened to you? Is your mouth running by all the things that it's wrong and God has wronged you? I'm not trying to sweep under the rug or minimalize it. I'm just saying, hey, wait a minute. If your mouth is not praising how amazing God is, woe is me that he could save a sinner such as I. You and I both need to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him give truth to us. There's a new reality. We don't have to stay depressed. There's a new vision. We can have hope. There is grace. There is eternity. And there is a God who walks with us. Wow, we've heard enough. But maybe not acted on it yet. So church, here's what I want to do in our final couple moments. Would you stand with me? If you're here today and you feel the Lord's been stirring your heart, and you want to seek Him in sanctuary. You want to come to a set-apart time and space to bring your complaint to Him, to bring your heart to Him, to share your viewpoint, and honestly to give Him a little bit of reaction of where you're at. He says, bring it on. There's nothing you can say that can hurt God. He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Bring the whole thing to me. But friend, the purpose of coming is not just to set God straight. I warn you, if you come here and you don't want God to bring change in your life, you might as well just stay where you're at. If you, if you, there's nothing magical about this place, but you step out in obedience. You become and be honest with God. He's going to be honest with, with you, and he's going to bring healing to your heart. If God's speaking to you, don't wait for anybody else. As Carrie sings, you obey God. Oh, Hold on, hold on, I forgot one thing. We're going to pray here. There's somebody here today, you want to pray, but you don't want anybody to pray with you. If, if you come and pray at this altar, no one will pray with you. We believe in prayer support of others. If you want to pray by yourself, you come here no one prays with you. If someone tries to pray with you, I'm going to pull them away. I'm not going to let them pray with you. Not, not here if you're going to do that today. But if God's speaking to you, if you feel him wooing you, he's inviting you, come bring your complaint. Come pour out your heart to me. I want to bring healing. If God's speaking to you as Carrie sings, you Come right now. i this song through one more time. If God's speaking to you, don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't worry about what the other person is thinking. If you're going to obey God now, this is your time. As we sing, you come. Let's pray together. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Church, here's what we're going to do. If you're here today and your faith is strong, you're encouraged in the Lord, I want you to come help me pray with my brothers and sisters. We're going to let them, these over here pray by themselves. Please honor that. I will ask you to leave if you, if you go pray with them. But all these here, I don't want anybody praying by themselves, and so I need some, some people to help me pray. Let's pray together. And as that's you, church. If you're here and you love Jesus and you know how to pray, come help me pray. Let's pray with these here. And as we pray together, I want you to get in the position that helps you pray best. If you want to be seated, that's fine. If you want to come here and help us pray here, that's good. But, but this is real stuff. We didn't just kind of walk through some kind of hocus pocus and just kind of wave a wand and, and maybe something happens. Almighty God didn't give us a book of exceptions of what he did once that he never ever does again. He says, this is who I am, what I have done, and what I am continuing to do. He said, you come to me. I will give you a new perspective. I'll bring healing to your heart. So we're going to pray and walk through this together. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come on behalf of my brothers and sisters who's seeking you now. Lord, I don't know everything they're carrying, but you know exactly what they're carrying. God, I don't know their complaint, but you know their complaint. In fact, friend, if you're here at the altar, if you're praying for yourself, I want you to tell God what's on your heart. Right now, in your own words, you tell him. Tell Him what you're feeling. Tell Him what you're seeing. Tell Him your viewpoint. Tell Him your reaction. You tell Him. Don't hold back. You're not going to hurt God's feelings. You can't threaten God's sovereignty by by what you're saying. You tell Him. We need to get honest before God and allow Him to do some things in our heart. So right now, you tell Him. Jesus, I thank You in this moment. As you hear Your sons and daughters cry out to You in pain and frustration. And bewilderment, maybe even anger, confusion, depression, woundedness, weariness, out of being wronged and injustice. Lord, I thank you you're listening to them. You hear their heart. God, they're getting honest with you. Now, if you're praying, friend, I want you to listen to the still, small voice of the Lord. I want you to listen to scriptures that you have had in your mind the Lord may bring back to your mind. I want you to listen to uh, godly counsel that you've had from other Christian men and women in your life. I want you to listen right now to how the God's going to speak to you. He wants to speak truth to you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would you would give a new view, a new perspective to my brother and sister. So, Lord, I I thank you. You've done it for me. I thank you that you love them enough you want to take them by the chin. And you want to take their eyes off of what is they're facing. And as much as it breaks your heart, Lord, as you take their eyes to you and fix their eyes on you, would you begin to speak into them what you see in their life, where you are calling them to obedience, where you're calling them to be humble, Lord, where you have given grace, Lord, where your love goes beyond anything we could ever earn or imagine or dream that we should have on our own. Lord, would you pour your grace over them? And, Lord, it starts with the truth and an understanding of who we are are rightfully viewed in light of who you are, Jesus. I encourage you, friend, don't resist it. Don't push back. Allow the truth of how gracious your God has been with you. You don't understand it. You're here at the sanctuary. You don't get it. You've tried to put the pieces together friends. You'll never be able to understand it You just take it to god in the midst of not understanding it and let him bring a change and healing in your heart Father I thank you right now You're pouring your grace out on a brother and sister. You're reminding them you love them beyond what they could ever deserve Your love does not just cover sin. It covers every aspect of who we are. You bring your joy, Jesus, as they sit at your feet. Would you begin to change not only their viewpoint, not only their their heart attitude, but, Jesus, would you begin to bring healing and hope in their life? And, Lord, would you give us a testimony of how good you are? Now, friend, as you're praying, there may be a pretty good chance that you don't feel any different. You don't see any change You're you're waiting for this moment to happen I want you to act in obedience today as you are moving into the choice of jesus being your refuge and your strength and your tower and you choose that Jesus I pray for my brother and sister as they walk out today They may see a relief and a lifting of their heart But god we are choosing to walk into you and let you be our strength even if we don't see it yet. Lord, we confess you may need to break our hearts some more. You may need to take us through the fire a little bit more to show us how good your grace really is. But Jesus, my brothers and sisters, we're locking together. We are choosing you right now. Friends praying for loved ones around you, if if you've experienced this love of Jesus that you don't deserve, I want you to pray that over these people right now. It's not just for you. There's nothing so special about you that you get it all that they don't get it. Jesus, I pray that you will pour out your love in a way that begins to go into the cracks of their heart and brings healing into the pain and the injustice. Lord, would you remind them over and over again, you promised in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, you have overcome this world. Lord, in this side of eternity, nothing makes sense. But you have not created us for one side of eternity. Lord, I thank you that the next life is so long and this life is so short that you're getting us to fix our eyes on the things that are important for the next life, not the things that are so useless here in this life. Lord, bring hope to their heart right now. And Jesus, it's a prayer of faith. Before we see it, I thank you in advance for what you are doing in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. To that we say, Lord, let it be so. Amen and amen. Well, church, we're going to let those who are praying pray as long as they'd like. Some of you have some commitments and obligations you need to get to in just a moment. I'm going to free you up. You can slip out to do that. But there may be a few of you, you say, you know what? I just want to sit in the sanctuary. I just want to sit in the presence of the Lord for a little while longer. And let him fill my heart with reminders of how great his faithfulness is. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Did you see a new mercy yet today? If not, hang out in his presence. Let him bring one to your mind. But whatever you do, go and let God change your reality. God bless you.